Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. How many of you are tired of trying to matter? I'm telling you, we don't have to live this way. Welcome to the Made for This podcast. This is Jenny Allen. Let's go. Hey, if you are reading Get Out of Your Head book along with us as we listen to this podcast, make sure to get a couple extra copies and go to JennyAllen.com to download the free Get Out of Your Head book club kit. We have made it super simple for you. All you have to do is text a few friends, get your copies of the book, download the PDF, and you guys are on your way to a 10-week journey to stopping the spiral of your toxic thoughts. So make sure to head over there and download it today. Okay, Jenny, so we are several weeks in. We've been talking about these different enemies of the mind. And so today you are covering self-importance. Why was that one that stood out to you as something we battle in our generation? Yeah, so I want to talk about big picture again, remind everybody where we are. We are talking about what I believe are enemies of our mind in our generation. Now, some of these like cynicism, I really don't see in Zach's grandparents. Like he fought in World War II and I mean, he's just not cynical and he should be. So I really see a lot of these as unique to our generation. I'm not saying they're they're unique, like it's never been felt before, or never been done before. I mean, we look back at, we're going to talk about the Tower of Babel. Like this is, none of this is new, but I do see them as strategically rampant in our generation. So when I think of self-importance, we live in a world where everybody can be somewhat important. We all get, get a microphone. We all can, you know, start a YouTube channel or you know, be known on Instagram and everybody is kind of comparing their lives to each other. So I think this one with self-importance, it comes because it is easy to self-inflate. I mean, we can make ourselves a big deal, even if it's to a small audience all day long. I just think it's one that the enemy has right in front of our face every minute of every day. And we got to deny it and figure out how to fight it. As we are beginning here, I want to start with scripture. I just want to start with the truth. It's in Philippians 2, 5 through 11. So powerful. Some of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he did not even count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I don't know if there's more powerful words because I don't know if there's a more powerful story, that this is the thing that that makes our God unmatchable that he would take on the form of a servant. He would be born in the likeness of men and he would humble himself to the point of death on a cross. I don't know that there's another story that's more beautiful in all the world. This is it. Like Our faith hangs on this and it is the most exquisite, incredible thing. It's what he set before us as people that follow him, as people that serve him, that love him. 
to live like this, that it says when we're talking about the mind, when we're talking about fixing our mind, he starts the verses with that. He says, have this mind among yourself, that this is how we're to think. We're supposed to think. And that not only are we supposed to have this mind, that it is our mind in Christ Jesus. God has given us the mind of Christ and that we are to think like this, but we have the power to think like this because of what Christ has done for us. Self-importance. We love this one. Y'all, this is one that feels so good. Fear doesn't feel so good. You know, anxiety doesn't feel so good. Some of the other ones don't feel so good. This one, it feels great to be important. It is deep in our bones to crave it, to want it, to fight for it, to live for it. I would be so bold as to say that if you don't know God and you don't know Jesus and you don't have this different way that Philippians talks about, that this is the goal of your life. And now we, we chase it in different ways, different forms. But ultimately, it is to make ourselves seen, known, loved, important, that that is what we are chasing, whether it's through relationships, addiction, fame, you know, all different things. We're ultimately wanting to be or disappointed that we aren't important. It is an addiction in our day. And I believe if we do not notice this in ourselves, if we don't notice this in our ministries, if we don't notice this in our following of Jesus, then some subtle things happen. One of those subtle things is that we start to care a lot about how people view us. We care a lot. And we're constantly find ourselves thinking about that. We find ourselves thinking about if people like us, if people notice us, if people like our post, if people support us. And, and we're just, our eyes are darting back and forth, kind of noticing what people are noticing about us. And that's so exhausting because <laughs> largely they're not <laughs> and they're not noticing us. And, and also largely it's a mixed bag of what kind of opinion they're going to have no matter how you're living. So I remember deciding this when I was in my young 30s and I was a um, pastor's wife. I remember getting to a place where I had become so addicted to people's approval that I was spending my life on it. You know, it was waking me up. I was anxious about it. And it's the most exhausting pursuit to try to be like, to try to be great with everybody because you can't be, right? Like that's never going to be fully achieved. It's not something that's always in our grasp or controllable by us. But this idea of self-importance can express itself in so many different ways. And what the enemy is ultimately after is what he was after in the garden with Adam and Eve. With Adam and Eve, the way that he tempted them, the way that he twisted the plans and the will of God for their lives is that he made them want to be like God. He said, hey, if you eat of this fruit, then you'll know what God knows. You'll be like God. And God's holding something out on you. And so this idea of self-importance that, hey, I want to be like God. What caused the devil to fall from heaven was that he wanted to be like God. He wanted people to worship him the way that they worshiped God. So this idea of becoming like God, I mean, go back to the Tower of Babel early on in scripture when there's now a human race and there's multiple people on earth and they come together and they build a tower to get to God. Everything is about becoming important from the very beginning of time. And we all kind of do this in our own way. We, we all kind of build our Tower of Babel and say, hey, look at me, look at me, look at what we can do, look at what I can do, I can matter. Now, what's interesting is this is really closely tied to obedience, right? Like we, we can start to put godly words on things that look like obeying God when it's really just becoming important. And so that's where it gets sneaky, I think, from the enemy's point of view, is that he is coming at us with good things to build the kingdom of God even, to put God's name on it. But ultimately, it's for ourselves that we would be more and more important, that we would matter more and more and more. I got an email from someone this week, and, and she was on the borderline of death and had fought cancer. 
And she came out of that and she said, I was in this place where I just wanted to matter so much. She, she had this fear of like, you know what, I'm going to die and I need my life to matter more than it does. So I got this urgent, you know, I've got to do something important. I've got to build something important. I've got to do, you know, start a nonprofit or do something. And it was this urgency she wrote about leaving a legacy for her life. And she said, Jenny, I had gotten to a place where I was chasing that instead of loving my kids and the people right in front of me. I just wanted to do this important thing. And I didn't even know what to do, really. And she said that she had read Restless, and she really, which is actually about dreaming and, and obeying God and doing big things. But her takeaway from it was, you know what? My big thing is my kids and loving them well. And that's going to be my legacy is like obeying God right in the trenches where nobody sees. And 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 I, I think we've got to realize that ultimately God is after our obedience and he's after his glory. And so his stories for us are not to lead us to our kingdoms and building our names and building our you know, stories, but they're to build his. And And what humility does is it gives us a posture to do whatever God wants us to do no matter what. There's a submission in humility. There's a disregard for our life and our story in it. And so it's not that we never do things that look important to the world. You know, I remember my publisher, when I was given the chance to write, she was like, you need to put your picture on your website. And I was like, no, this isn't about me. This is about God. <laughs> and I don't want to, you know, I don't want anybody to know me. And and there was something noble in that, but there was also something just not smart about it. And she was like, Jenny, people just need to see you so they know if they can trust you or not. And I was like, okay, okay. But I think sometimes we can dismiss ourselves and diminish ourselves to the point of it being still about us. Like I wanted to, let me be real clear back then. I wasn't just about God's glory. I was about not looking prideful. <laughs> I didn't want to appear prideful. It still had a selfish motive to it. I just wanted to look humble. You know, like I want to have the appearance of humility in my website, in my life. And I didn't want to buy into this, you know, thing where everybody thought I thought I was a big deal. And I, I mean, it still was a controlling of a narrative that was about me. And so we can look humble and we can build a story that kind of tells the world, hey, we are humble people. And it's still completely self-importance and pride. And this is not about necessarily the decisions we make outwardly in our life. This is about the state and the posture of our heart before God. And when that's right, you know what happens? It doesn't matter as much about what people even think about you, if they think you're humble or not. You know, when you put your head on the pillow that you're right with God, that you're right with the people that know you and love you. And there's a freedom in that. Humility typically looks a lot like great confidence because that confidence and truly humble people comes not from themselves and not from hiding their gifts or over promoting their gifts. It comes from a dependence on Jesus and a belief that this life is all about him and that everything we do, everything we say, everything we are, it's about him. It's not about us. You guys, I want to meet you. I'm coming to your cities with Jefferson Bethke and Davy Flowers. Get your tickets. We are coming on the road with our kids. It's going to be incredible. Do not miss it. We're going to talk about what it looks like to live more free and all these places that we get stuck in our brain and our lives. And I'm telling you, it is going to be an incredible life-changing night. So get your tickets while they still last. And you can go get them at getoutofyourheadtour.com. I was just listening to my friend Earl preached recently, and he's a pastor in Dallas, and he talked about, you know, we're the Amazon bag, you know, like we carry 
the good thing but but we are back like we're not the, <laughs> we're not the main event like nobody is going for the Amazon bag and thinking to themselves oh my gosh look at this bag that just arrived at my house like they're going for the contents and the contents of our lives should be the mind of Christ which is someone willing to lay down their lives someone willing to be emptied out being humbled to the point of embarrassment being humble to the point of being misunderstood, being humble to the point of, in Christ's case, death, that we are producing the fruit of Christ because we have the mind of Christ. That's what should be known of us. And why? Why is that what should be known of us? Why should we be motivated to live this way? This sounds like a miserable way to live. And one, it's because it's the most free way to live. Uh, honestly, like not caring if we're important is so helpful. It is, I, it's like this, everybody's running in a race and you're watching them and you're like, oh, this is entertaining. I, I say about Dallas, sometimes people are like, do you enjoy living here? I'm like, I absolutely love it. And and my friend just recently said to me, you know, I just felt like this. I had to measure up when I was there and I had to, you know, have this so that I was like, and I was like, well, I probably would have felt that way in my 20s and my 40s. It's like watching a great movie. Like I'm just sitting there watching everyone like do all this awesome stuff. I'm like, way to go, like way to be awesome. But I don't put that on myself. I'm not sitting there keeping up with them, right? It's like, good for you. Like way to be a winner, way to, you know, wear heels on a Tuesday, like way to go. You know, there's this appreciation of like, good for you, but there's not a taking on of trying to keep up. And I think that's the posture you get to enjoy with humility, which is I'm not in this to impress. I'm not in this to perform. I'm in this for the glory of God. I'm in this to love. And I can, I can rest in that. There's a, there's a rest that comes over us with humility. The other thing that comes with humility is what this verse says is so that the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. The ultimate thing that comes over us with humility is people see God. They see God in us and they see God because of our obedience. And that's what motivates me is I don't want people to see me. I think that was part of the girl's heart, you know, that just was starting publishing back there, that little naive girl in her 30s. I think she had that heart too, is I just want people to see God. I think there was a naive sense that my face would distract from that. And and God's like, you know what, Jenny, you really, I love what Christine says, you're not going to steal an ounce of the glory of God. Like, good luck. Like, you can't really show off enough to steal the glory of God. And that's true. However, what can steal the glory of God in our lives and through our lives, it won't steal the glory of God in eternity and on this earth. It will not. But what can steal the glory of God being reflected in our lives is pride. And that's a state of the heart. That's not a state of your actions. That's not a state of your words. That's not a state of people's opinions about you. That is a state of your heart. And honestly, only you and God can work that out together. You've got to decide like, is is this something where I care more about what people think about me than I care what they think about God? And that is the question you've got to constantly ask yourself. And you have to ask yourself, regularly because on one day that might be true of me and two days later it no longer is because something has captured my mind and my affections more than God and so back to our weapon number one which was stillness with God and time with God's word that is why that matters every day because it sets priority in our life that God is first and I care more about him and what is known of him than what is known of me because here's the truth guys our hearts aren't actually after power and importance. Our hearts are actually after and we're built for joy. That's what we want. We think it's going to come through being important and being known, being famous. I mean, this is something my son is obsessed with. He he tells people, I am famous. And of course, they're like, you are? You know, why? How? And he was like, I was in the newspaper. Now, 
mind you, his picture was in the newspaper in Little Rock, Arkansas, two years ago. <laughs> he was like playing out at a park and a random photographer took his picture and never even put his name in the paper. But but he's famous. So, you know, fame is in the eye of the beholder always. And what is true is that that idea for him of being known and important and famous is a priority right now in his life. He's 11. And I mean, what does he do? He talks about famous people with his friends all day. They talk about football players. They talk about basketball players. They talk about musicians. They, you know, they all talk about famous people all day long together. And so there's this goal in his mind set before him of like, that's arriving. That's when you're important. That's when you're going to matter. That's when you're going to be happy. And at the end of all of it for us, y'all, even You know, I look at people driven by this in social media right now. Like there's this idea we don't ever consciously think it, but it's subconscious. But we're obviously thinking that the more we get known, noticed, loved, seen, the more we're going to be happy when that is not what is true. It's obviously not true. And the deception that we buy into somehow is that joy will come if we get known, if we get power, if we become important. But what scripture says is that joy comes when we lay down our lives. It's the opposite. It's when we lay everything down on earth that we think matters, when we lay down our name, when we lay down being understood, when we lay down even our own lives, that joy is in that, that there is a freedom that comes through that. And that is a supernatural reality. That is not something you can understand until you've tasted it. But when you've tasted it, it's like this loss washes over you like a wave, like, oh, I just gave up something on earth. And then it comes back out. And there's this piece that follows it of, and I'm okay. (laughs) Yes, somebody misunderstands me. I'm not important to them. That's hurtful. And then it washes back out and you go, and I'm okay because I'm loved and I'm known by God and my hope is secure. And that is the joy of self-forgetfulness, that there is a freedom that comes when we are not the center of our own minds, of our own lives. How do we change this? You guys, you ready? You go out and you serve people and you love other people. I look back at my life before I had four kids, before, I mean, even before I had Cooper because he is more consuming than my other three kids. And I just had so much time to think about myself. I just did. I thought about myself all the time. But what, what four kids did to me in the thick years of every minute trying to take care of them is I didn't have time. You know, I just, I was thinking about the next thing I had to do, the next person I had to take care of, the next problem they had. And it was helpful in the sense that I wasn't as consumed with myself. And I think mission can do that. And it doesn't, certainly doesn't have to be motherhood. It can be anything that you set other people's needs before yourself. And what happens when you do that, I remember at Canicook, they used to have the saying, you know, put God first and others second and yourself third. And so I'm third was like the award at camp and all this stuff. And I just remember being like trying to will that into being. Well, let me tell you how it comes into being. It comes as you serve people, as you actually get up out of your chair and you clear the table, as you actually get up out of your chair and you love and invite your neighbors in, as you actually get up out of your chair and you go to the local elderly home and you like meet people face to face and paint their nails and get to know them. It comes as we think about other people and all of a sudden we are more obsessed with what God's doing in other people's lives and what he could do in other people's lives than what he's not doing in ours. And it is a change and a shift. And you realize that loving other people is so much better than loving ourselves so much, that there is a freedom and a joy that comes because of it. And so today, what I want you to do is I want you to do something crazy. I want you to love somebody that you would not normally love. I want you to decide together with your friends to go 
love people. I mean, our church is doing that this weekend. We are we are loving our neighbors and they're not having service and they're just saying, hey, go go love your neighbors in any which way. Take them food, go to coffee, have them over, go, you know, mow their lawn. Like, I don't care. Just go love people in a radical way. And it's so fun because everybody's thought of different ways they're going to love their neighbors. And I would just say that, like, who is someone you can love today radically? Like, do something. Not just love, but do something for them. Do something for someone today and watch your mind shift from caring so much about yourself to loving other people. And I'm telling you, that's where the freedom is. You guys, you don't want to miss next week's episodes. We are going to be talking about victimhood and gratitude. And so if you're reading the Get Out of Your Head book with us, pull it out and read chapter 13, and we will see you for next week's episodes. Before you turn off your podcast today, I want to tell you about the Dwell app. We are so excited to partner with them this season because we believe in this tool. If you ever wake up feeling like, I just don't feel like reading my Bible today, you are not alone. And the Dwell app can help you with that. It is an audio Bible app that has interchangeable narrators. It has interchangeable music that you can set to the background and it has playlists. So you can either just listen straight through the Bible. They have a Bible in the year plan that I'm doing right now and it alerts you every morning. Or if you want to listen to some of their playlists, they have playlists for going to bed or when you feel anxious or about your identity in Christ. It's just such an easy way to spend time in God's word and we know you guys will love it. And so what's really extra fun about this is Dwell has given us a discount code for you guys. If you go to dwellapp.io slash Jenny, J-E-N-N-I-E, you can get 10% off the yearly plan. And guys, I think it's like $29 a year and you get 10% off just for being a made for this listener. So head over there and download the app and let us know what you think.